Good morning. Good to be with you all this morning. I was telling Beth uh, when I drove up, it, it was a little bit of a last-minute thing that I'm here this morning. Somebody else was supposed to be here that wasn't able to be here. Um, and I have been praying for you guys for the last year, and I thought, I'm probably never going to be able to get over there and be with those folks. I have four kids, and we pastor a church. And through some unexpected situation, here I am with you this morning. So it's a real joy for me to be here with you. So thank you for having me. We're going to read from our gospel reading this morning in St. Mark. So I'll start there in chapter 5. Let me pick these up. Starting in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. And he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So, when, so he went with him. And the large crowd followed and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and asked, who touched me? And his disciples said to him, you see this crowd pressing in on you. How can you ask who touched me? And he looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble this teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, but believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, and he took her by the hands and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately 
the girl got up and began to walk around. And she was 12 years old. And at this, they were overcome with amazement. And he strictly ordered them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the one who is able to take small seeds of faith and grow from them healing and restoration and a new future. Tend to the soil of our hearts this morning with your life-giving word. Shape us into a people with a deep and wide faith, confident that you are the one who is able to begin the good work that you have started in us and among us. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to focus this morning on Mark's gospel. And our gospel this reading this morning, as you heard, are these two stories interwoven with one another. This is a common feature of Mark's gospel. He flanks the story of the woman in the middle by the story of this leader on either side. And so the first story we hear, this man named Jairus, he comes to Jesus because his daughter is dying. And he's caught wind that maybe Jesus can do something about this. And in the middle of that, we hear this story of this nameless woman who has been bleeding internally for decades. And she also comes to Jesus for really the very same reason as Jairus. And so we enter the scene and there's this large crowd of people around Jesus. And Jairus shows up in the middle of that crowd in a kind of loud, robust way. And he kneels before Jesus. And he begs him, he pleads with him, please come and lay your hands on my daughter. He comes to Jesus very publicly, directly in vocal desperation. And we're given a little bit of information in this text about Jairus' position. He's a religious leader. And in this situation, Jesus isn't so much in favor for the religious leader. So this was actually a risk a bit of his reputation to come before Jesus in such a public way. It actually would have been in his best interest to keep a little bit of distance between himself and Jesus. But he doesn't. He risks his reputation, his respectability to come to Jesus. Somehow, he has gotten the notion that if Jesus would just come to his house and lay a hand on his daughter, that she would live. And Jesus responds to him. And he goes with Jairus to his house. And on the way to Jairus' house, this large crowd of people, they're going along with him. And the text doesn't give us a name, but this nameless woman is in that crowd. And that nameless part actually tells us something about her, about her social status or lack thereof. And she has this chronic illness that she has been suffering with for three years. And she has gone through every avenue 
to find healing, and all of them have turned up empty, and she has been left with nothing. She's bleeding, and it is not easy to go out in public and bustle through a crowd in that condition. She's also, in her culture, unclean. She's not supposed to be around people. So she's not only isolated by her illness, her illness actually causes a kind of social isolation. And you and I, having just recently walked through a pandemic, might begin to understand a little bit about the kind of social isolation that can accompany illness. She comes to Jesus on the other end of the spectrum as Jairus. She comes hidden in the crowd. She doesn't even speak to Jesus. She just barely reaches out and touches the hem of his clothes. She doesn't touch his body. She's trying to receive from Jesus without him even noticing. And we hear her self-talk in this text. If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. And immediately, a favorite word in Mark's gospel, her hemorrhaging stops. And Jesus also responds to her. And his response to this woman actually interrupts his response to Jairus. His response to her pauses what you and I would consider a very urgent on the way to Jairus' daughter. And he turns around and asks, who touched my clothes? Which is an amazing question to ask. This like really large crowd of people. And Jesus is distinguishing something here in this question. Who in this crowd is merely following along and who in this crowd is expecting something from me, who is reaching out for something from me. And finally, she, she responds with trepidation, and she falls before Jesus, same as Jairus, and told her story. And Jesus responds to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And this response from Jesus is really the climax of this text. It's the peak of what Jesus is trying to say here. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And as Jesus is speaking these climatic words, the text shifts back to Jairus shifts back to the people that have come from Jairus' house to tell Jesus, to tell Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore. It's done. She's died. As if to say, possibly Jesus could have healed her. But there is no imagination for the dead becoming alive again. And Jesus responds to Jairus very similar as he responds to the woman do not fear, believe. And these words, faith and, and believe, are interchangeable in the language in which they are written. 
And so Jesus is pointing out something both to this nameless woman and to Jairus that I want us to pay attention to today, that I want to call us into today. He's pointing to this intense, unwavering, unrelenting faith that in her imagination, just to barely touch the hem of his clothes was enough to alter her entire future. No prayer, no good deed, no recognition, just a touch of his clothes. And this is the thing that I want to name about these two people. They have an extreme, resolute, demanding faith. The kind of faith that reimagines reality. The kind of faith that calls into existence a future that does not yet exist. And it was risky for both of these people to come to Jesus They both come to Jesus in very desperate, complex situations. And although they approach Jesus very differently, they have this sensibility, this risky confidence that Jesus is unleashing something in the world that they want to be a part of, that they want to be on the receiving end of your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And this refrain, your faith has made you well, is actually not unique to this moment in the story. We actually hear it over and over in the synoptic gospels. When Jesus heals the leper, when Jesus heals a blind man, your faith has made you well. And I want to note here, it's not as if faith is a magic bullet. Faith doesn't heal in and of itself. Rather, it creates a situation. It creates an environment where healing can occur. It's very difficult, you might say impossible, to receive something that we are unopen to receiving. If I bake you a cake and your arms are crossed, it would be very difficult for me to give you that cake. Even if I put it right in front of you and dropped it, it would just fall right to the ground. There has to be an openness to receiving. There has to be a posture of openness to receive what God might give us. And faith is this openness to what God is doing in the world, and in this case, a very active openness to Jesus. Faith is the soil in which God can grow a new future. Jesus is the one who does the work of healing and restoring and calling that which is dead to life. But faith creates a hospitable environment for Jesus's power to flow. And so when Jesus says, your faith has made you well, He's not saying that she had the power in and of herself to bring about a new future. Rather, her faith postured her in a position to participate in the new future that God is bringing about in Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a magician. 
performing little tricks. Jesus is God's son, and through him, God is remaking the whole of the cosmos. And faith, however much fear and uncertainty may accompany it, is the first sign of openness to that remaking and that renewing that God is bringing about in Jesus. And I think there's a sense in many of us, and I feel this so frequently, I recognize it so frequently in myself, that we often live our lives in such a way that we don't really need what Jesus has to offer. We have organized our lives in a way that we actually have it all taken care of. We have mitigated our necessity to enter into this kind of faith. Because, like, I've got it organized. I've got it figured out. And so we don't often feel the pressure to lean into this kind of faith. And some of us are here this morning, and we're like this large crowd. We're happy to tag along with the crowd following Jesus. But we have no expectation that God is remaking the whole world in Jesus Christ. And that we can participate in that. And then some of us are here this morning and we could see ourselves in, as like the disciples in this story. We're closely following Jesus. But we're kind of out of tune with what he's up to. We're asking the wrong questions. Like who touched you? Of course a lot of people touched you. There's a whole crowd here. We're missing the point of what he's doing. And some of us here this morning might identify ourselves in the, the folks that come from Jairus' house. Don't bother Jesus anymore. She's dead. Yeah, Jesus could do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but not what you're asking. Jesus cannot do that. And we have a limited imagination about what God is up to in the world. And then some of us are like the mourners at Jairus' house. Cynical and sarcastic. We like to think of ourselves as realist. We know she's dead. There's no life here. And I think actually most of us could find ourselves at all of those points in the story at one time or another in our journey of faith. But no matter where we are this morning, this nameless woman and Jairus, they challenge us with their risky and active faith, their confidence that Jesus is who he says he is. And even though it looks like our only child is dying, and even though it looks like our body is wasting away, and even though it looks like whatever your situation is or whatever our collective situation is, even though it looks like that, that is not the whole story that God who created all of life from nothing is remaking the whole of creation through his son, Jesus Christ. And God animates the whole of the cosmos by the power of the spirit. That is reality. And everything else is a parody compared to it. That is what is happening in the world, and that is what you and I are invited to participate in. 
this is my prayer for you. And this is what I have been praying for you and over you from Shambly, from a few miles away. That you would enter and attend to this season of life in your church. The season of life that you are in now, which is the only place that God meets us. In the place that we are now. That you would attend to this season with all of its challenges, with an active, risky faith. And that this church would be soil for the Holy Spirit to grow a future among you that you could not have anticipated and that you could not perceive. Friends, I want to call you this morning. I want to encourage you and exhort you into faith, to an active faith that is unwavering in pursuit of Jesus, an expectant open faith that he who began this good work among you, surely he is faithful to bring you to wholeness and to completion and to fullness and maturity in Jesus Christ. So may your lives be soil of deep faith so that the renewal of all things that began in Jesus Christ might grow in you and through you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.